When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome, rolling right through now with Episode 8. Now, when I started this journey, I think some of my longtime followers were not exactly sure what it was going to be, or they came over here looking for me to do what I've always done in the past, namely talk a little shit, interview some athletes, basically aggravate a few people. And this, of course, is nothing like that. This is a pod about me wanting to reinvent, renew, and transform not only my brand, but myself personally. I wanted to bust out. I wanted to kill my old self off, if possible, and experience some sort of resurrection. Now, maybe that's not possible, but I need to find out. I just know that I was sick of doing the same things and feeling the same way, so I set out on this journey to fix that and to talk to as many people as I could find who had already done that and had groundbreaking thoughts on the very topic. And I'm trying to get as many like-minded people as possible to join the conversation and the journey. So, while I cut my teeth as a sports talk show host, this is not a sports pod and I'm looking to actually interview non-sports people. All of that said, there are some sports figures whose stories and messages are simply too big and too valuable to ignore. And for me to ignore that just because it's, quote, a non-sports podcast would be foolish. Which brings me to today's guest, mixed martial artist Michael Chandler. Now, to me, Michael is one of the more compelling figures in any sport today, and not just because he's a world-class athlete. I mean that, sure, but also because of his authenticity and the fact that he truly represents what it means to reinvent and transform yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And while he is on the verge of fighting for a UFC world title and on the verge of worldwide superstardom, he would tell you he's no different than any of us. In fact, he would tell you he was just a small guy from a small town destined to achieve small things. In fact, that is the very thing that he was told all growing up. This is the story then of how Michael Chandler escaped the chokehold life supposedly put on him, flipped it on its head, and went on to become a champion and, again, is on the verge of worldwide superstardom. And what he does when that small guy from that small town with small ambitions does rear his ugly head. Episode number eight of The Reinvention Project with mixed martial artist Michael Chandler is coming at you right now. Michael, it is so great to spend some time with you today. And let me just say off the very top, when you and I spoke on my radio program after your sensational UFC debut, I was not surprised by our conversation, but I was blown away by it. As much as I want to talk to you about your skill set and your game, I really want to talk to you about your mindset and your approach and your process. And I immediately thought 
that even though I'm trying to steer clear of athletes for this new podcast, you would be perfect for it. So it is great to have you here. Great to have you back. Thanks for doing it. How are things? Man, things are just, just wonderful, man. You know, you, you, uh, you talk about mindset, man. My mindset has been up and down and, and had a lot of highs, a couple of lows over the last 12 years in this long career. And it's, uh, it's been great, man, you know, to be you know, after talking to you after that, that win at UFC 257 and now getting the opportunity to fight for the title here in a couple of weeks. Life is good, and uh, it's hard to sleep at night because I just can't wait to get out of bed and get, get my butt moving and, and get better. My man, that is so good. And I love that notion that mindset is up and down because that's pretty much what this whole podcast is about. But let's go back to that debut for a minute at UFC 257. It was absolutely electric, and you beat one of the world's best in Dan Hooker. You like to joke that you're a 12-year overnight sensation, implication being you may have been new to some, but not those who know. My question is, given the journey you've taken, the work, the sacrifice, the perseverance, the adversity you've had to overcome – what was it like to finally be in that position that night? And secondly, Michael, did you know what was going to happen once you were in that position? Man, I, I think uh, I just had this overwhelming sense of presence. You know, I mean, being present is, is being exactly where your feet are, exactly where you're breathing, you know. Um, and I had never experienced anything like that in my entire career, really in my entire life. You know, it's the biggest opportunity of my life the biggest platform of my life um, as the co-main event on Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, going to get 2 million pay-per-view buys, just a huge opportunity. Yet all of the, the massive exposure I was going to get and the massive amount of pressure and the ton of doubters and naysayers who said, who's this guy coming in from an outside of the UFC coming in and, and getting put on this platform right away. All of that pressure was, was just completely taken away by me being able to be present there in the moment getting my hands wrapped getting warmed up I was honestly I was moved to tears you know just my eyes were rolling up with tears as I was walking around in the back visualizing the fight visualizing the journey that I took how God had me in the palm of his hand through all the ups all the downs all the relationships that I that I made over the last you know decade and a half and even longer than that in my wrestling career before mixed martial arts and then um to make that walk, I just had a smile on my face. I was almost, I was almost a little bit taken back by how, how calm and how happy I was because, you know, you're about to get into a, a physical altercation inside of an, an octagon with a guy who wants to rip your head off in front of millions of people. And I just, I just had this air of confidence that I was right where I was supposed to be after 12 years. And, and then to be able to go out there and, and get the knockout, um, and then, you know, and now people, people are, are, are kind of abreast to, to who I am and what my message is. But it took me, like you said, 20 years to become this overnight success. And those that didn't know me now do. And, and now we get the opportunity to fight for the title. And I just couldn't be happier. It's amazing. I am so pumped to talk to you about this next product. Listen, do not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody just like me, and you're just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is amazing. I absolutely love this product. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun does not just feel good. It gets right to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. 
And that's just me. I love it. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and also elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers and me. What I'm saying is, whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there simply is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash reinvention right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash reinvention, theragun.com slash reinvention. Now, Michael, you did what the very best performers do and the best athletes that I've ever spoken to over the last few decades are able to do. Namely, you performed at the highest level on the biggest stage. You put together one of your greatest performances when presented with your greatest opportunity, and that's not an accident. So how can you or any of us ensure that we're going to be at our very best in our most important moments? You know, and I I think... The beauty of it, the, the blessing and the curse of it is, is you can never guarantee it, you know. Um, you, you've spoken to so many high-level athletes and performers and artists. They're, you're going to have off nights. You're going to have bad days. You can never 100% mitigate the risk of having a bad performance. But it's what you do day in and day out and building the self-belief, building the self-image, building the self-concept of who you are because you'll never be able to consistently perform in a manner that is inconsistent with the way that you see yourself. And sometimes you have to, you know, sometimes it's just based in hard work. Um, a lot of times it is because that's a huge component. But, um, you know, in order to get to that moment, every day asking yourself, at my greatest moment of opportunity or at my darkest hour, am I enough? And that's not a physical thing. That's a spiritual thing. It's an emotional thing. It is, am I enough? Do I deserve to be successful? And I truly believe that we all were put on this earth not just to do good things, but to do great things, but to do exponentially head and shoulders above what we could ever think or imagine. And it's only because of society's you know, standards or the shackles of our past or the glass ceilings that we bang our head into every single day because of the implications and expectations or the downplaying of our calling on our life by those around us that we, that we decide to take a, a backseat, a less than approach to life. Um, and I, I've done that so many times in my past and I just, it, I, I sabotage myself so many times that eventually I just, I stopped and I thought, Michael, you do all the right things. You work extremely hard. You surround yourself with the best people possible. You try to be the best man, father, husband, athlete, person you possibly can be. So instead of your, instead of asking yourself, do you deserve to be successful? Why don't you ask yourself, why shouldn't it be you? Why shouldn't it be you as the number one guy in the world? Why shouldn't it be you? to be able to go out there on the biggest stage of your life and have the best performance of your life. And I remember the day before that fight, I wrote it down on a little note card at the W, the w Hotel in Abu Dhabi, and I wrote, January, January 23rd will be the greatest performance of my life. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. A couple of days later, um, that all came to fruition, and it just, it, it, I seemed so confident and at peace with writing that. And I can't say that that has happened in my past. In my past, if I would have wrote that, the old Michael would have said, yeah, but what about you're a small guy from a small town who was taught to do small things? You don't want to get too big for your bitches. You don't want to go out there and, and win the world, you know? But 
the new me, the guy who turned over a new leaf, believes God's best for my life at all times in every facet, every avenue, and every journey that I'm on. I mean, where, where do I even go with all the insight that came from that response? There is so much good, good stuff in that. But, Michael, I was going to say, like, as I mentioned, when it comes to you and your career, those who know, know. But if somebody listening right now does not really know you, I think they'd hear a response like that, and they'd say, well, that's what I would expect. He's a soon-to-be world champion. He's already been a champion. He's got a champion mindset. But if you don't know, to fully appreciate the fighter and the man that you have become, and you just started to touch on this, but I want to ask you, people have to understand understand where you started what were you like growing up and what were the types of things that you were told yeah you know i uh man i love where i come from jefferson county missouri high ridge missouri i love my mom and dad so much i love the, my high school coaches and teachers and the people that i was around but there was there was always this theme of outside those county lines there's just too much there's too much ups and downs there's too much there's too much uncertainty out there, you know, um, and and I very much carried that on through my high school career in wrestling and into college, sabotaged myself numerous times. You know, I, I also decided to take a chance on myself and I walked on to the University of Missouri. I was getting offers from Division three, Division two NAIA schools, full ride scholarships, but something in me for some reason, and I, and I still don't know why, except, except from just, you know, God having his hand on me in, in that scenario, in the situation where I made the decision to say, you know what, if I'm going to wrestle in college, I'm okay going to, di- to Division One level wrestling. Don't, I'm okay with going to Mizzou, and I'm okay with being a backup for five years. I'm okay with being a human punching bag for five years. I- I'm even okay with, with me getting there, realizing I, I, did, I don't have what it takes, and ended up quitting and ended up not making it, ending up having an injury, ending up – a thousand different or a thousand of these negative scenarios that could have happened. I was okay with that uncertainty knowing that I put my best foot forward and I put myself out there to be given the permission to at the highest level, either fail or succeed. And, um, you know, I very much have done that now making the transition from Bellator to the UFC. I was very comfortable in Bellator. I was, you know, one of the stars of Bellator. I was being compensated uh, well by Bellator. I was being taken care of by Bellator. And um, I was very much in a very symbiotic win-win situation with my employer, with my promoter. But something in me said, Michael, when you're 40 years old, when you're 42 years old, will you really be able to sleep at night wondering what if you had tested yourself against the guys in the UFC? What if you gave yourself the opportunity and you gave yourself permission to go just like you did 15 years before, take a chance on yourself and walk on to Mizzou. What if you decided to go to the UFC? Will that pillow that you lay your head on at night feel like a 40-pound rough sandpaper cinder block if you don't make this decision to go to the UFC and test yourself against the best guys in the world? And through a lot of prayer and seeking wise counsel, and I have some amazing people around me and speaking to my wife about it, it just seemed like the right, you know, it seemed like the right opportunity to take. It, it, all the different times over, you know, every two years, my contract would come up and it didn't seem like that door to the UFC would have been opened. You know, it seemed like it was locked. It seemed like it was closed. And then all of a sudden towards the end of my, that last Bellator contract, I thought, man, that door feels like it is wide open. And the way the landscape looks, the way the UFC is growing and the way, the way I have been performing, you know, I'll be 35 in, in a week, in a week and a half. And I still feel like a 25 year old. I still feel like I'm a white belt. I still feel like I'm that walk on kid who was 18 years old, stepping into the Mizzou wrestling room with 
40 other guys who were so much better than me. I still feel like that. So that's how I made the decision. That's how I got to the UFC. That's how I could have taken every opportunity and said yes to the backup at UFC 254. I came and weighed in. And then the co-main event at UFC 257, fighting the top five guy right away. And that's how I ultimately have gotten put in this position to have this title shot. And I just, I feel so blessed by the journey because I think I was galvanized by the journey. I was galvanized by throwing myself into the fire day in and day out. And I'm a better man on the other side of that fire. And um, I think May 15th, when we capture UFC gold, it will have all finally worked out. Listen, I know a number of small business owners are listening right now. Let me tell you, small businesses have always shown an amazing ability to adapt, innovate, and survive even more so in the past year. Now, another way that you can adapt and grow is by finding the right people to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs helps you do that for free. I have been using LinkedIn Jobs for a long, long time. I love it. It gets me directly to the talent and the people that I'm looking for. And you yourself can get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of 740 million professionals. Simply fill out targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience and the skills and the motivation you need. And then with simple filtering and management tools, you can easily review, rate, and hone in on your top candidates. I love this process. You will too. LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person for your role and your first job post is free. Simply visit linkedin.com slash Rome. Again, check this out. You'll love it. LinkedIn.com slash Rome and post your first job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. I, I love the phrase galvanized by the fire, Michael. But if we go back even further, I mean, all of that is so meaningful. But again, I think that it doesn't really do justice to what you had to overcome. I mean, from day one, were you not told you're too small, you come from a small town, and you really are only going to amount to small things? Was that not the message that was hammered into you from day one? And then what did you do with that? How did you transform that mindset into what it is right now? Yeah, I think, um, man, I just, I just encourage people to, I encourage people to go out and experience things, even if they don't make sense to everyone around you. You know, um, I could have, I could have stayed right there in St. Louis and, and wrestled at a, a St. Louis school and had the same friends and ran with the same crowd and, and been around my family more and went to a lot more weddings and a lot more birthday parties and a lot more anniversaries. Um, but something in me said, I needed to, I needed to go outside the county lines and see, see what the world is all about. And I, I, and I do think from a very young age, it wasn't, and it wasn't anything that my parents necessarily said. It wasn't, I was, I was very loved on. I was very secure and I was very encouraged in life, but that encouragement wasn't ridiculously exponentially head and shoulders above what I could have imagined in my mind's eye as a young kid. You know, I was, I was told to be, I was told to go into the trades or be a teacher because they have a, a secure retirement. Um, I was told to, you know, to go to a junior college and stick around St. Louis and then kind of see what, what might happen. And, and those, those aren't bad professions and that wouldn't have necessarily been a bad choice. But for me, there was something inside me that said, just because I am this small guy from the small town who outside, who, who was told not to go outside those county lines, that doesn't mean that I can't change the, the, 
the the storybook or the storyline of what has been told to me over these last, you know, first 15, 18 years of my life. And now being on the biggest world stage possible, I love that young man who was afraid of accomplishment. I love that young man who was afraid to fail. I love that young man who was afraid to leave those county lines because that was the that was the young man who turned me into the man that I am today. And that small guy from that small town and all of those storylines are still in, ingrained in my DNA. They're still in my heart. They're still in my spirit. That, young, that small guy from a small town is still in there. I've just gotten really good at duct taping him to the basement of my mind and putting a roll of duct tape around his mouth. And he rears his head every now and then, and he, he tells me I'm not good enough every now and then, and he tells me I'm going to fail, and he tells me that's the worst thing that could happen. And he even tells me maybe I made a big mistake by taking all these chances of myself. But if you can continuously move from day in and day out, doing exactly what you need to do to be successful, leaving no stone unturned in your preparation, continuing to operate with character, um, you can change the story of your life. You can change the branches on your family tree. You can change the lies that have been told in your, through your ears, into your mind, and then ingrained in your soul and in your DNA. And I'm living proof of that. I think my, my life and my my journey that I took is a blueprint for, for every small town young man or woman out there who, who was, who was told that, um, braving the unknown is, is somehow the scariest thing on earth. And this is exactly what you did, but there have been ups and downs to be sure. Like, as you point out, you walked on at Missouri, you became an all American. That was absolutely amazing. I mean, even as great as that was, it didn't necessarily end the way you wanted it to end because you want to be a national champion, but you weren't all American. But when you got out of college, you had something of an epiphany and you made a promise to yourself. What was that at that time? Yeah, I think it's so hard. And this, and this happens in, in, in life, in business, in your careers, in relationships, even, um, that I think we get so might, we, we look at, we look at our, our situation. We look at our path in a vacuum and we look at through, we look at it through a microscope and we can't quite, we can't, can't quite analyze, unpack and reverse engineer it until we're out out of that season and into a new season. And I think closing the door on my college wrestling career, the day after I got done in 2009, in March of 2009, the day after I looked back at the national tournament, I looked at my bracket, I looked at all the hard work I put in wrestling was over. It was a, it was a tough time because I wanted to still wear the black and gold single. And I wanted to still be a Mizzou tiger. I wanted that one more year of eligibility. I would have, I would have moved heaven and earth to get one more year of eligibility because I wanted to continue to be a Mizzou Tiger. Because that next day, I looked back and said, Michael, for five years, you dedicated your entire life to becoming the best wrestler you possibly could be. You spent five years missing out on what people would call the college experience, the fun parties, the great times, the friendships, the parties. Missed out on all of that to dedicate yourself to your craft, yet between your ears, you didn't truly believe that you could have been successful or could have been that national champion and, and, and could have been a multiple time all American at that. And it, it just, it, it, it lifted this weight. There was a, there was a, a moment of regret that said, Michael, you wasted all that time because why didn't you just believe in yourself? But then there was this, this tearing of the guard, the lifting of the veil and the weight off of my chest that, okay, I know I'm going to pursue mixed martial arts and that path that I took that mentality and that, that scarcity mindset is going to be no more part of me anymore as I move forward in the mixed martial arts and 
you know, won my first, won my first eight fights and, and fought Eddie Alvarez, a top three guy in the world. And that's when I knew I had turned a new leaf whenever Michael Chandler, the small guy from the small town who was taught to do small things, who walked onto the University of Missouri, sabotaged, sabotaged himself in every big moment. When I stood across the cage from Eddie Alvarez and I looked at him, and he, was tw- he had 22 wins, 22 and 2 at that time, number 3 in the world, and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to beat you. And I'm not just going to beat you, but I'm going to dominate you. And I'm going to become, I'm okay with becoming a top 5 lightweight in the world tonight on November 11th or November 19th, 2011, I, I looked across the cage and I said, I'm going to beat that man. Whereas the old Michael Chandler would have said, that guy right there, he's too good, he's too fast, he's got too, too great of a resume, he's got too, too great of a record for me to be able to beat. So let me keep it close. Let me, let me put my best foot forward. Let me try as hard as I can. But at all costs, make sure you don't win because that responsibility of winning after that is going to be way too big for that small guy from that small town. And it was, it was in that moment when I realized I had turned a new leaf and I was going to become the best lightweight on the planet come hell or high water. And and you did. And for those who do not know, Eddie Alvarez was an unbelievable fighter, and that was an amazing win. And then all of a sudden, people now know, right, you are the next big thing. You were going to go right to the top. You've got it all figured out. You changed your mindset. You now understand what you're capable of. But what happened after that? Yeah, so um, I win that fight, and then, and then immediately that's when – that's when expectations and media and headlines and, and accolades start to, start to not just add to your life uh, in a positive way, but they can, they can hinder you and they can become roadblocks and they can, be, and they, and they can become an unattainable perfection status. And I think that's what I did. As soon as I beat Eddie Alvarez, I said, okay, you know, ESPN just did a, did a, a headline called The New Kid on the Block. And the article was all about, we can't wait to see Michael Chandler leave Bellator and go fight Benson Henderson in the UFC and become the number one guy in the world. And it was those kinds of things where that small guy from that small town said, wait a second, Michael, you're getting too big here. That thermostat's getting a little bit too high. There's too many eyeballs. There's too much, um, there's too much at stake here for you to be able to handle this. And every day became another opportunity for me to either be absolutely perfect. And I mean, absolutely perfect or a loser. And that's how I, that's how I started to look at things. Unfortunately, now I know that was a huge mistake, but I could have a great day. I could have 10 rounds of sparring and I could win five minutes out of five, out of those 10 rounds, five minutes per round out of those 10 rounds. But if I got one punch landed on me and I lost two seconds of that round or I got taken down or I got, or I couldn't get a takedown, it taught, it told me in my, in my brain where my mindset was that I was not perfect. And I knew I was an imposter. You know, there's, there's this, there's this idea in psychology called the imposter syndrome. And I was having the success yet. I felt like an imposter and, um, I beat Eddie Alvarez, won a couple fights and then I lost to Eddie again. And then immediately when I lost that fight, my mind wasn't prepared and my mindset and my self-image wasn't prepared for that loss. I immediately wanted to go into hiding. I immediately felt like I was an imposter. I immediately forgot how good I was and I immediately fell into a jail cell of self-pity, starting to blame other people. If that coach didn't do this or if these guys didn't do that or you know, even more specifically in the Eddie Alvarez, it was a razor-close split decision that I could have ver- that a lot of people thought that I won. So it was very easy for me to say, if that one judge wasn't blind, if that one judge knew how to call a fight, 
then I'd still be world champion and I wouldn't have lost this fight. And that mentality and, and lack of, lack of self-confidence and, and truly lack of ownership and lack of accountability stemmed into another loss and then another loss. And I went 688 days without a win. I lost three fights in a row. And this was, this was a guy who was just too, you know, but at the end of that loss streak, I was just a guy who two years before everyone said, that's the next guy. That's the next number one guy in the world. He's the most dominant lightweight on the planet yet. I lose three fights in a row in 688 days without a win, and I go home with my wife. We put our suitcases, and we just put our suitcases in the living room. We sit down on the couch, and we just cried. And there was no words. No words were spoken. We, just, we didn't know what was going to happen. Was I going to get cut from Bellator? And how do you go from you know, a guy who's looked at as possibly the number one guy in the world to a guy who can't win a fight? Um, and then I just made a, lot of, I made a conscious decision then that I wasn't going to let this conti- be, continue to be a recurring theme in my life. And, man, here I am uh, living proof that you can continue to change that and never be perfect, but continue to strive for excellence every day. Hey, let me tell you about my guys at Carnivore Trading. These guys are amazing. This is the day that picking winning stocks gets super easy for you. Now, I am on Carnivore Trading, have been for quite some time. It's a radically different stock targeting website that is disrupting Wall Street big time. Carnivore Trading is a small, elite squad of stock market strategists. These are the guys who influence the market influencers, the big guys. And what they're doing is they're pulling back the curtain for folks like us from newbies to portfolio managers so we can see exactly what they're trading. This is what I signed up for. This is why I love it. And for a low monthly fee, I get real-time text alerts of the explosive stocks that they're hitting right now. Essentially, what they're saying is, this is what we're buying and this is why, or this is what we're moving on from. Then it's up to me. I can mirror their trades through my discount broker or I can pass. But why would you pass? Why would you pass when they are crushing the S&P 500? And if you need some evidence or you need more assurance, you'll love this. They guarantee that you will earn five times your monthly subscription or double your money back. 5x your monthly fee just by mirroring their trades. In fact, I'll tell you what. I've got you two weeks to see for yourself. Free. Two free weeks to see for yourself. Visit scoreourtrades.com. Enter the code GYM. Check that out. Scoreourtrades.com. Code GYM. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions. Past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. You know, it's something, Michael, I think what you're talking about, although we can't really relate specifically to that particular thing, I think a lot of people can relate in the sense that we all break, right? Literally, all of us break at some point. We break physically, we break mentally, we break emotionally, we break spiritually. Maybe in that moment, you were broken. We all have to rebuild ourselves somehow, some way. And what I'm hearing from you is, it was just a matter of, once again, getting extreme ownership of your mind and your mindset. How... How do we do that? How do we put ourselves back together once we're broken? Uh, well, number one, you know, just like, just like any self-help, self-help program, it doesn't matter. The, the recurring theme in those always is the number one step is admitting that you have a problem or you have faults or that you're not perfect or you need to work on things. Just the admission of that, just the, the setting aside of the ego, just the, 
the setting aside of the pride and dropping to your knees with your hat in your hand and saying, I need help with this. And for me, I didn't do that after the first fight, after the second, or the first loss and the second loss. And, the, and finally, after the third one, I did that. And I said, if I'm going to continue to pr- continue to pursue God's best for my life, because I truly believe I had, a call, I had a calling and still have a call in my life, not just to be good, but to be the greatest lightweight on the planet for a, a long period of time and, and reach as many people as I possibly can. So I think admitting that I needed help, number one, right away, um, seeing a sports psychologist, realizing that garbage in is garbage out. If you're taking in garbage, if you're, if you're ingesting garbage or you're in, in, around the wrong people or you're hearing the wrong things or you're accepting the limits that are being put on you, that's going to show in your performance, in your personal life, in your professional life, in your health, in every, every part of your life that is the most important. Um, so I just, I, I saw a sports psychologist. Um, I started visualizing a lot more. In visualization, if I could take myself back to high school wrestling, college wrestling, I would be the greatest wrestler of all time, I think, if I would have started, impl- in, started implementing more visualization. I mean, I, right now I already know I already know how the fight's going to go with Charles Oliveira. I already know what the, what the walkout's going to feel like. I already know um, the, the highs and the lows of, of the possibilities of what that fight could bring. And maybe it's not all going to exactly come to fruition, but I've, I've at least rehearsed it and I've played it in my mind already a thousand times and I've still got four weeks to, to re- replay it and, and turn it into exactly how I want it to happen another thousand times. Um, so admitting that I needed help, visualization, seeking seeking wise counsel at every turn. I used to be the guy who, cause you know, I think, I think being pretty good and being, um, or at least being good and being talented is a blessing, but it's also just, it's a curse because you can get away with certain things. You can get away with, you can get away with slipping mentally. You can get away with, with, um, putting yourself in bad positions. You can get away with, with slacking on your diet or slacking on this or slacking on that because you're athletic your athletic abilities will, will see you through, or maybe if you're in business, maybe it's, maybe you've always been the smartest guy or girl in the room and that's gotten you through. So maybe you find yourself slacking in areas just, just because you know, you can get away with it. Um, and I've always prided myself on hard work. Mike and Betty Chandler pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. That's my mom and dad. They pulled themselves up by their bootstraps since I was a young child to give me ever up every opportunity that I would could possibly have. And I, uh, so I pride myself on hard work and never cutting corners, but where I was cutting corners was the mental aspect of it, the spiritual aspect of it, the emotional aspect of my life in order to become the happiest and the healthiest and the hardest to kill um, man that I could possibly be when I'm performing day in and day out, whether it be in training sessions or whenever the lights come on and that cage door closes and I got to go to work. Um, So admitting that, admitting that you have, that you need help visualization um, and then making sure that you continue to seek wise counsel and every day do something that doesn't just build you up physically, but builds you up mentally and um, trying to bulletproof your mind as much as you possibly can. Mm. Bulletproof your mind as much as you can is tremendous. You know, it seems to me also that you had a purpose, right? Even when you got off track and your mindset was out of whack, you you had a purpose. You had your purpose. You could always go back to that. You could start right there, and you live a purpose-driven life, and you have a mission. We all want that, but not everybody does have that. I'm just curious where you come out on this. Like, if somebody were to say to you, Michael, that's great. You had your purpose, and you have a platform. You have a thing that gets you up in the morning. You can see it very clearly. Now you need to go execute it and make sure it's not garbage in, garbage out. What 
What if somebody were to say to you, I don't have a purpose. I don't know what my purpose is. I'm looking for it, but I can't find it. I don't have a mission. What am I supposed to do without that purpose? How do I find it? I love, I love that question. I'm so glad you asked it. And I, I don't, if, I don't know exactly how and why this answer is coming to me right now. Um, but I truly believe that number one, it's okay right now. Give yourself permission and the grace and mercy to not know what your purpose is right now. But in order to be trusted with the big, the large and the massive things in life, which will most likely be your purpose in life in order to be trusted with those big, large, massive exponential things, you first have to be able to be trusted and diligent and disciplined in the small, minute details of life. And it's the constantly doing the small things, the arduous things, the mundane things in life every single day in order to get to a point where you are mentally, physically, and spiritually ready, willing, and able to accept that purpose on your life. Now, I'm not saying... I, it could take one year. It could take one month. You could already know what it is and you might have some ups and downs, but continue to meditate on the thought that if I want that huge goal, if I want those zeros in my bank account, if I want that girl, if I want that guy, if I want that status, if I want that car, those are all very, very large life altering things. But in order to get those big, huge things, you have to first be trusted, be able to be trusted and diligent and disciplined in the small, minute details. So maybe it is waking up with a smile on your face, grabbing your cup of coffee and doing your nine to five today, and then again tomorrow, and then doing it again the next day, and continuing to continue in that course of action with a smile on your face, doing everything that you possibly can with high character, high, high work ethic, and influencing those around you so that then and only then can that epiphany, that moment, that, that changing of the guard or the tearing of the veil, that, that, that thrust into that new season that is going to lead you to your big, big purpose. You have to first be trusted in the small things. I love that answer. I love that answer very much. You know, clearly, Michael, you, as you get ready for a world championship opportunity, you put yourself in this position, you still have maintained that walk-on mentality. I'm really curious what you think about this. I've had this conversation with Dana White a number of times where Dana says, when talking about Conor McGregor, and you talk about being on the same fight card with Conor, you know Conor is an all-time great. But Dana has made the point, I think it's a fair point, Michael, that Conor... I mean, he was doing these exact same things that you're talking about right now on the way up and may, in fact, still be doing them. I don't know. I'm not with him. But Dana makes the point that you wonder, do you still want to get punched in the face every single day and have that be your living when you've got $100 million in the bank? My question to you is, have you ever lost any of that walk-on mentality, that chip on your shoulder? And if you do lose it, how hard is it to get back? I don't think I've ever lost the walk-on mentality because um, I just I know what's at stake each and every time that I'm training for a fight. Um, I think, luckily for me, it was ingrained in me, like I said, by my mom, by my mom and dad. I was a walk-on before I became a walk-on. You know, I had that walk-on mentality before I became a walk-on, and then going through once again being galvanized by the fire of being a walk-on in the in the tumultuous microcosm that is the atmosphere inside the four walls of that Mizzou wrestling room where so many men were broken and quit and so many men were battered and bruised and, and just gave up going through that experience 
helped me continue to sharpen the tools inside the walk-on toolbox, so to, spe- so to speak, you know. Um, and then now taking the chance on myself um, and going to the UFC, even there's been times in my career, and, and you know, I got to be completely honest, over the last couple of years, I was always motivated by providing for my family and, and, and continuing to grow the, the biggest platform that I possibly could to reach as many people as possible. I was always motivated by that. But the guy standing across the cage from me in Bellator wasn't the guy that I wanted to fight. You know, it was, it was not easy to continue to fight a guy that, that I was, I essentially only had everything to lose. You know, if I go out and I fight a guy who's, who's not high, highly ranked in mixed martial arts and the mixed martial arts rankings or in the, in the standings in mixed martial arts, if I, mixed martial arts, if I go out and, and I fight him and I beat him in a three round decision and it's not dominant, that's a loss to so many people, you know, if I don't go out and finish people in the first round, that's a loss in a lot of people's eyes for a guy like me of my caliber and my stature. Um, so it was tough because the pressure of that made fighting not fun. So I, I would, I would say I never lost the walk on mentality, but there were moments over the last four years, five years where in long periods of time, full training camps, months where I was, I just felt like I was, I was, I was going through the motions in, a, in, a, in an extremely disciplined fashion. I never cut corners. I did everything right. Um, but it felt like I was going through the motion because I didn't have the passion because I think I truly always wanted to fight Khabib. You know? And before that, I wanted to fight uh, Eddie, and I wanted to fight Connor, and I wanted to fight Ben Hennish and Anthony, Anthony Pettis, Rafael Dos Anjos, the UFC champion. I always wanted to fight that guy who was the number one guy in the world. I, the door had just never been opened for me to take it. So I saw the, I saw that other side that I felt like I wanted to be fighting on that stage. Yet I was in a, I made a decision, whether it be for my family, whether it be for a business decision, whether it be, um, a a number of reasons why I made the decision to stay with Bellator. There was, there was times that it was tough to continue to train. And now man, the walk on mentality mixed with the greatest opportunity of your life with the biggest platform and UFC gold at stake. I feel like I just, I, I feel like I got the glimmer back in my eye of that, that 22 year old kid who just got into mixed martial arts. And like I said, I've turned 35 in a couple in two weeks. Um, I guess 10 days actually. And I feel like I'm 25 and I, I got a new fire lit under me. Um, because now I get the opportunity to, to do what I love at the highest level in front of the most amount of eyeballs on the biggest platform possible. This is so interesting. All right, so leave me with this thought, and maybe you can broaden this thing out, because the way you just laid that out, that you've got this glimmer back in your eye, now in your mid-30s, you have that thing back that you had when you were in your early 20s. Now, project forward. Like, I'm older than you. I'm now in my 50s. The reason you and I are having this conversation, honestly, because you could be on my other program or my other podcast, but I start of this new reinvention project because I'm trying to get exactly what you're talking about, but I'm now a guy in my mid-50s. And I, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I'm not only going through the motions. Just going through the motions, Michael, as you know, is really pretty freaking hard. Going through the motions means getting your ass out of bed in the 4 o'clock hour. It means putting in long days. It means grinding, but it doesn't mean that you're hitting that sweet spot necessarily. It doesn't mean that you found that passion. It means you're just working hard and you're grinding and maybe you're spinning your wheels. I'm trying to find it. Like, I know my mindset. I remember when I was your age or I remember a few years earlier, man, I mean, I don't want to say I was a savage, but man, I was fierce. Like, I'd get up in the morning and I could make these decisions and I was kind of just 
I was in a flow state constantly, always, because I had that mission. But then I got that TV show. Then I got that radio show. Then I had that run. And now here we are. What's next? How do you get it? I think, Michael, what I'm getting at is there's a lot of people who are chasing what you're talking about, the glimmer, getting it back, but they're not sure how to do it. How do you get that edge back? How do you get that glimmer back? How do you find that thing? What if there's not a UFC right in front of you? How do you get there, if that makes sense? Man, one, one word keeps sticking out as, 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 as I listen to you speak, and the word, the word is gratitude. You know, um, I, I have been blessed with some amazing, just to put it, to speak about mine, I've been, I've been blessed with some amazing gifts. And, and even just very base level gifts that some people don't have is just two capable arms and two capable legs. And then now I have a calling on my life to go do amazing things. And, and I think everyone who's, who have, who have found their way to this reinvention project is they want to get better. They want to find that purpose. They want to get the most out of this life. So in order to get that, and as we tie it back to purpose, in order to get to a position where you find out what your purpose is or even just start making headway on your purpose and on your mission in life, you have to start every single day and do everything that you do day in and day out with gratitude and being grateful in the small things, grateful in the things that we take for granted, grateful in the opportunities that that seem um, not so large or grateful in the process that seems mundane. Man, I've been, I've, been extremely, I've been extremely blessed in my life over the last 12 years, but the whole time I was practicing patience because I knew that eventually this door would be open to get to the biggest stage in my life, and it all goes back to gratitude. And I think that was one of the, one of the biggest things that I was missing during that loss streak or any time that that small guy from that small time small town creeps up is i'm not I, I find myself not being grateful for the amazing blessings of my life and it doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account how many things that you have how many how many worldly possessions you have who you hang with how big your status is or how many followers and likes you get on your posts if you don't tie it all back to gratitude and purpose then you, it's, it's an empty pursuit that's only going to lead to pain. Um, so just continuing every day, being grateful for the things that are in your life. And as, that, as, that, as you are grateful in the small things, you start to see new things, new doors open up for more opportunities and more, more aspects of your calling or your passion, you know, even just to bring it back to you. Jim Rome is an, is an extremely successful man, and, and you've been in kind of the same, the same vein, the same industry, the same, on the same road. But as soon as you start living with more gratitude, you find more passion. And then all of a sudden, there's little, there's little roads and little tributaries that go off of the main road that you find yourself passionate about. And then they circle back into the main vein, and then at the end of it all, continuing to reach people and inspire people and motivate people and make people feel something because they can watch you all day long and they can listen to you and they can hear you, but they can hear the words that you speak, but what did you make them feel? They can watch me fight in a cage, but with that fight performance, what did it make them feel? And that's always, that's what I've really been thinking about meditating on a lot is how can I make people feel something? So it's all tied back to gratitude and that's how you get closer and closer to your purpose. And that's how you most assuredly will put yourself in the best possible scenario to find that purpose and make extremely large waves 
in this short window of opportunity that you have called life here on earth. My man, that is so strong. I'm so, so glad that you answered that question that way. That helps me greatly. I need to hear that. I need to remind myself of that. It is so true. I, I Frankly, I do not have nearly enough gratitude, and I am grateful, and I am appreciative, but I'm not conscious of it often enough. Gratitude is a great, great place to start, and I say with great gratitude, Michael, that You came back on this program. You shared your thoughts. You shared your story. I'm grateful for this friendship and certainly the insight you just imparted. That is great. That that, that is super. I know you've spent an entire lifetime getting ready for this moment, which is upcoming, a world championship fight. I will with great interest watch that. But I do want to tell you how much I appreciate you and your thoughts today. What a great, great time that was. What a great conversation. Thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, just, just, I want to go back to what you said, just to, to leave your, 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 your listeners. Um, you talked, you talked about the world breaking people. Um, and it is very true. And Ernest Hemingway said it himself, the world breaks everyone. And afterward, many are strong at the broken places. So take pride in your scar. And then that was, that was his quote. So I'm saying, take pride in your scars, take pride in your setbacks, take pride in your falling short, because in those broken places, you will become stronger and stronger and stronger. So thank you so much for having me on and let's do it again whenever you whenever we win that title. My man, as soon as you win that title, we will do it again. And notice I said as soon as you win that title, Michael, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jim. Wow. Miss a little, miss a lot. And if I have a policy of no athletes on this show, we miss virtually everything. What an amazing conversation with Michael Chandler. That said, I do have some bad news for some of you. Bad news if you came here looking for a hack, looking for a shortcut, looking for that special sauce that only the super achievers in their secret society know about. As far as I can tell, that shit does not exist. Far as I can tell, every super achiever that I've ever spoken to, including and especially Michael Chandler, is running a similar playbook. And in the case of Michael, it begins and it ends with his maniacal preparation. Regardless of who you are or where you're from, or even if you're the smallest guy from the smallest town, In fact, especially if you're the smallest guy from the smallest town, if you want to accomplish anything at all or change and transform your life in any way, you better be the hardest worker in the room. He said it himself. It's not easy, but it really is simple. You simply cannot control where you're from, what family you were born into, how tall you are, how smart you are, but you sure as hell can control how hard you go, how hard you prepare, which in fact is the secret sauce you're looking for, and it's no secret at all. Breaking preparation does breed confidence. And if you want to make sure that you are at your very best when you're presented with your biggest opportunities, whether it's you being in the cage or you have a huge appearance or a presentation or a sales call or you're up for some sort of promotion, you want to make sure you're completely locked in and that you not only have no fear, But you're hyped and you're excited to crush the opportunity. And the way to do that is by being prepared. And you can do that as long as you're ready. And you will be ready if you've done the work. Every day, all day, no days off. 
We only lack confidence when we're not prepared. We know this. We know when we've done the work and we know when we're lying to ourselves and not putting in. Michael Chandler is maniacal in his preparation. He is and always has been the hardest worker in the room. That's how he completely reinvented himself from being a small guy from a small town to a champion and soon to be ultra superstar. The other theme or word that keeps coming up in every conversation I have on this pod is ownership. Michael talked about extreme ownership, specifically extreme ownership of what's happening between his ears and beyond that, extreme ownership of his life, of his choices, of his decisions. Like he had this great college wrestling career, but not the career he wanted and he didn't like the way it felt at all. So when he got out of college, he promised himself he would never feel that way ever again and that it would start with taking ownership of his mindset ownership of his thoughts, ownership of what he was telling himself. Once again, even as a great athlete who was fanatical about taking care of his body, his moneymaker, he was still neglecting the most important muscle of all, his brain. The one muscle he needed to develop the most was the one that he had been ignoring. Once he owned that and developed a regimen for that, a training regimen for his mind, his life and his career trajectory started to change. And the fact is, it applies not just to an elite mixed martial artist, but to every last one of us. I mean, I know it sounds like a broken record, but I say this also to hammer it into my own brain as well. The quality of your life really is directly related to your mindset. If you have a garbage mindset, you will have a garbage life. I mean, it's that black and white. But if you take control and ownership of your mindset, just watch how dramatically your life changes because your thoughts will change, which then in turn drive actions and behaviors, and then everything starts to change. Just think about that for a minute. If Michael Chandler accepted what he had always been told and what he used to tell himself, that he was a small guy from a small town destined to do small things, he'd be that guy. To this day, instead, he took extreme ownership of that mindset. He reprogrammed himself to think differently, which drove his daily maniacal activity. And now he is on the verge of becoming a UFC world champion. And it's because he has a world championship mindset and extreme ownership of everything he thinks and does. And he did that. He chose that. And that is a wrap of Ep 8 of the Reinvention Project. Once again, this is a journey, a long journey, a journey that takes a heck of a lot of work, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here to take it with me. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to share the pod, share your comments as well, and make sure you do get subscribed. That way you never have to go looking for it. It will find you instead. Have an amazing week. Keep attacking, and I will see you right back here next Thursday. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.